guys have a seat. Yeah, see, I want to be on the band now, right? Dude, how did you do that? Like, yeah. So, so Daniel normally does the keys is on. Like, I'm all confused. He does the does the drums out here, man. Where's he? Where'd he go? There he is. Tyler's on it, man. Dan the man. What's up, baby? Guys are awesome. Thank Keith. Thank you for slapping the bass. But how did you do this? Like, like uh, play the guitar and like how many hands you got? Just like your octopus, if that was it, yeah. Ah, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, what talent. I love our worship team for the not, you know, I know they got some uh, definitely God-given talent and some talent that has been practiced over the years, but they lead us in worship, man. Like, I, I love that. They just challenge us every time. So thank you. We love you, man. Love you. Appreciate you. Pastor Pete, thank you very much, brother. Woo-woo. Happy Resurrection Sunday, baby. It's the Super Bowl of church. It's the, yeah, man. It's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Good to see everybody, man. It's, it's, it's fun to be here. We have had four amazing services today, and we've had crowds at every one. It's been pretty wild. So we're kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know the culture's starting to get back into some things when uh, these things happen, actually, the, the 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 services themselves have been getting fuller and fuller, or, or shall I say, more full or fuller? I don't know. Over the not last few weeks, anyway. So it's just kind of neat to see uh, what God is doing. Love you guys, and I think I, I think I we got some new faces here. So if I haven't met you, my name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors that is serving alongside you. If you are new and want to get to know us or have a contact with us or anything like that. Uh, you fill out a connect card. I've got one on the table back here. Uh, if you want to, somebody will can connect with you uh, as well. And if you need some, I got some in my pocket. Come see me. Come see somebody uh, that was uh, that, that you recognize. Maybe has a uh, tag on or something like that. But uh, yeah, put your name, uh, your your date of birth, social security number, credit card information. Oh no. Oh, uh, I'm looking at the wrong card. Let me get the right one. Now, but put that information on there for you. We'd love to get, get in contact with you and, uh, and, and get to know you a little bit. Find out where you are spiritually. Find out where you are personally. Love to just become your friend and, uh, and get to know you some. So we love you guys, man. We want to make sure that we are doing this all thing together. So I had somebody ask me, uh, why are you wearing a suit today? That's weird. Who died? And I'll be like, Jesus did. And then he rose from the dead, baby. So I said, right? <laughs> And so, yeah, it's kind of weird, but people are like, yeah, that's just odd. And I'm like, I know, don't ever do this. This is very uncomfortable for me. So I, I, I couldn't even remember, like, I'm so embarrassed. But, you know, our, our church planter resident, Dustin, he actually literally had to tie my tie for I could not remember how to do it. I was like, crap, I can't remember. Got it all tangled up and twisted and got a knot in it. I'm like, how'd that do? You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, it, it, but it's cool. It's fun. It's, uh, man, I love, love, love. Uh, the only reason I wore a suit and took a bath today is because Judy, man, my wife, made me. She said, it's Easter. Let's go. I'm like, all right. So, but, uh, you know, we got some, got some really cool stuff that's going on. And when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, man, I, you know, by the way, that's what we're going to talk about today, if you hadn't figured that out. Um, and, and, and cool to see some people I haven't seen in a minute, man. You've got Sherry Stearns, who helped us plant this church. Uh, her, and her, her and her husband, David, man, are in the house today. You guys went, actually, and 
helped to, to start our Raytown campus. If you guys remember a couple of years back uh, with Pastor Price and a lot of his crew and that kind of thing, we actually launched a church in the urban, uh, in the urban core, and you guys are still there. And then visiting with us today and gracing us with your presence. And we got Gage Gooch back here in the Navy, right? First time he's been in the house in a year, right? And I don't mean to mean any, uh, like leave anybody out or anything, because I'm glad to see everybody and everything like that. But uh, I did have special tears when I saw you guys. So it was really cool. And, and if I asked you, how does it feel to be back in the house? They're like, weird. <laughs> you know, it's just odd. I, I get it, man, because, uh, you know, I preach weird, and I am weird, and a lot of people are weird. So we're just, we're weird for Jesus, man. It's, it's awesome, man. Love it, love it, love it. But, but the, you know, what, one of the things about the resurrection that I want to share with you guys is that it should, frankly, give you great confidence, swagger, uh, should make you fly and dope. What are the kids saying today? I have no idea. Slam? I don't know. I'm trying. I'm really, I'm really, I don't know. What, but, 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 that, man, it ought to, if I'm going to be honest with you, understanding that Jesus actually rose from the dead ought to make you pee in your pants a little bit. Have your knees knock a little bit. Like it ought to, it ought to give you great pause. And some people are like, why would you say that in church? Because uh, it should. It freaking should. The resurrection of Jesus really happened. And when we realize that he died and rose from the dead, man, it should give us incredible confidence in, in what we're doing. We should be bringing kingdom, bringing light, no matter where we're at. Like I can read you the scriptures and you can believe it intellectually, but man, does it to your very core shock you enough to make you compel you to, to bring kingdom no matter where you're at. Amen? Like, like this is a big deal. The resurrection is a big deal. It's the solid core foundational understanding of who we are because no other God did this. In fact, there is no other God, so it's impossible for that to happen. But no, there is no religious figure that said, I'm God, I'm going to show you by fulfilling hundreds of prophecies, and oh, by the way, I'm going to rise from the dead, and he does it. Like, this is an historic fact. One of the things that... And I, and I don't get freaked out about it, but, but one of the things that honestly drives me crazy is for people to call the, 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 the people of the Bible characters and things that happen in accounts in Scripture as stories. Here's why. Uh, like, like I, I read it and I go, hey, what's your favorite story in the Bible? Oh, it's the story about Joshua or, or Jonah and the whale or, or, or you know, or, or, or Moses and the parting of the rest of my favorite story and my favorite character is this person, this person, this person. And it becomes a, 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 a fictional, weird thing, even if we know it's not fiction, in our minds, in our, like, in our, even in our subconscious, we don't take it all that seriously because it's just characters and stories. Have you ever said to anybody, Who, what's your favorite story of the Revolutionary War? Has anybody ever said that to you? Who's your favorite character? Nobody ever has, right? What's your favorite character of the of the Civil War or the or the or the Greco whatever war or Spanish? What's your favorite story? Who's your favorite character? Nobody's ever said that because we don't think of them as characters. We think of those as accounts of history. Guess what? The resurrection is account of history. Amen. The people in the scriptures are, are not characters in a story. These are events that actually happen with real people that really lived and said and did and lived these ways. It's pretty incredible. 
And so when we start thinking about the resurrection, of the, the validity of the resurrection, like I don't want to get into a big, uh, like this is how we know it's true and that kind of thing too. I'll get into all that at some point and that kind of thing. I want you to understand it actually happened though. Amen? And that should just flat out give us pause and confidence and swagger. And as somebody in the second service says, ought to make us pretty lit. But that's what the kids are saying today. It was our youth pastor, Brother Mike, that said. Man, I love it, man. I love that. Because it does. Man, it, 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 it for me, man, it, 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 it emboldens me because I, I realize that there are so many of us in our culture that are trying to avoid death, prolong the inevitable, rather than living for eternity. Because it's like, dude, I, I'm going to die soon. You know that, right? I only got 70 years left or so if I want to live to 120. That's all, that's all I got left. I mean, time is short. I better get busy, right? Rather than saying, man, I'm going to try to live as long as I possibly can and prolong this physical life and everything. But, but I want to live to eternity. I don't ever want to die. And, and in Jesus, we don't have to have that death ever. And he said, I'm God. He said, I'm the only way. He said, and he proves it by rising from the dead, bringing his Holy Spirit. Man, I just dig it. Dude, dude still to this day excites me, and it should. Like, like knowing that he said you can be saved, you can have eternal life, you can have a life fulfilled, not your best life now. I'm talking about our best life for eternity. Man, it's awesome. And it ought to give us great, part, great pause. Mark 16, starting at verse 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles or turn on your app, says in verse 1, says, when the Sabbath was over, and by the way, we talked on Friday night uh, at, at the Good Friday service. We tried to put ourselves in the perspective of what the disciples had to be going through. Help us to understand the grief and the pain of the fact that they had been following this guy that they had called Lord, called the Son of Man, understood, started to understand that he really is God, and then he dies on Friday. Like, it, it had to, like, just pain them greatly for this this to happen right and we know the rest of the story we know that that he actually did rise from that but these guys even though he had said even though they like they saw him brutally beaten knew that he was dead and they go to bed friday night if they could sleep at all in great grief Great turmoil. What are we going to do now? We gave up everything for following him. Saturday. They wake up if they could have slept at all. And they had the whole day going, man, what are we going to do now? For three and a half years, we gave everything up and followed this guy. Sunday morning, they, they wake up. They still don't know anything. It's the third day. He said, third day. It's going to happen. And it's only happened yet. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and Salome, brought, bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the first resurrection Sunday, they went to the tomb at sunrise. That's why we have a sunrise service, by the way. I'm so excited about it because we haven't gotten to do this in a couple of years. 
Looking up, they observed, oh, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed, but they freaking were, right? Who's he? What's he doing there? How did he get there? There's a lot of things, right? Don't be alarmed, he told them. You're, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. You guys are freaked out. You and I both would be. I'm going to go anoint this body for proper burial, and there's a lot of traditions and things like that about keeping it in a tomb and then burying it in the ground after a year and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of things. I thought he was buried already, this, you know, all this kind of stuff, and he, and he was. He was in the, in the tomb, actually in a rich man's tomb, which was something predicted hundreds of years prior to him ever coming. Amazing, right? Good googly, it's incredible. But they weren't expecting it to be empty. And they started running as they were going to go tell everybody, right? And here's Jesus. You know, this gospels talk about how Jesus approached these guys, right, on, on, a, on, a, on a road. And he was, he was saying to them, what's up, fellas? You know what they told him? Man, the guy that we've been following three and a half years or so, he's gone. And Jesus, they didn't recognize him at the time. And they were saying, he's like, man, this was all supposed to happen. It was all written down. Don't you know that? Like, yeah, but still. And then they recognized him when they started eating together. He revealed himself, and then he went away and started, started like, like appeared to about 500 different people at the time. It's, a, it's inc absolutely incredible. And then one of the last holdouts was a guy named Thomas. Now, I love Thomas, man. Some people disrespect Thomas. They're like, how could he have doubted? Dude, we doubt all the time. We see circumstances in our world and we doubt all the time. We have circumstances, financial, health, personal, relational, whatever, and we have doubts ourselves. Here's a guy who for three and a half years followed Jesus, loved Jesus, and I, I look at him as somebody who's just trying to protect his heart, okay, because a lot of us do that. We, we, we get hurt, so we don't want to, like, let ourselves be hurt again. Here's Thomas going, until I can see and put my fingers in the, the wounds on his side and in the wounds in his hands and feet, I ain't going to believe. Because his buddies were like, dude, we saw him. I promise you. We were walking along the side. He appeared to us. He goes, nope, nope, not until I can do that, right? And here comes Jesus. And he says, Thomas, put your, put your hands in my side. Put your, here, look, look right. I can't, like, like, it's right here. Do it. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And he's shown us, right? Over and over and over. And I, and I, I promise you, 
Like if you live with the kind of zeal that is guided, not yes, by the Holy Spirit, absolutely, but I don't mean to say but, and guided by the Holy Spirit and, and the confidence in the, the reality of the resurrection, man, there's no, like you can do, like you will see things and do things and a, like things will happen. If you believe in your heart and, and if you're saved. See, I know a lot of people that, that have, and this is what honestly frightens me a little bit. No better time, than I, you know, one of the things I say is there's no better time to give the gospel presentation than when you're talking to someone. And, and when I say the gospel presentation, just try not to forget. Just share. It really happens, man. And this Jesus that says, I'm the only way, and there is no other way to the Father except through me, and the only way to go to heaven is through me, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and few will find it, and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and a lot of people will find it. Like The problem I've got is that scares me a little bit for a lot of people because Jesus said also that that on that day, when he comes back, people will be saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? He's like, I don't even know you. There's something about knowing Jesus intimately in our hearts versus calling ourselves a Christian and doing missional stuff. There's a difference. It's a matter of the heart. And there's a lot of people I know that I work with, that I minister with, that I visit with, that I <coughs> even work side by side with doing remodeling or, or repairs or anything like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I try not to tell anybody because everybody quits cussing, puts their drink away. It's weird. I don't know. Or they'll step up the cussing, step up the drinking, try to see what I'm going to do. I mean, it's just weird. I just, not that I'm embarrassed of being a pastor. I just don't tell a lot of people. I'm just a dude. Somebody introduces me. I'm just introducing you as your friend. You know, I just go to church with you too, right? We all have a part. But one of the things that worries me, concerns me, for a lot of people is that they say they're saved because they made a profession of faith. They ask Jesus into their heart at some point. And I'm reading scripture, right? And I, and I love scripture, and I'm trying to find it that where it says for anybody, hey, ask Jesus to come into your heart and you can be saved. I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere. What I see is in Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's the boss, he dictates what I do, not that he's a dictator, because this is a choice we can have. We get to, we don't have to follow him and do what he says, amen. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not pray this little prayer, listen to what I say, repeat after me. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making judgments about somebody's salvation. They may have very well done that and be saved. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying make sure that you confess with your mouth. That means you got to speak it out loud that Jesus is Lord. 
and believe in your heart that he, wrote, he, he, he raised from the dead. And I'm not talking about an intellectual understanding and believing that, that it's an historic fact. I'm talking about this, this heart compulsion that, that, that motivates you to be the light in the, into, the, into a dark world. That motivates you to be somebody that brings kingdom no matter where they're at, rather than saying, yes, I'm a Christian because that's what my demographic profile says. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I want us to understand that, that to have this in our hearts not just an intellectual understanding, separates us from Satan. Because guess what? Satan knows that Jesus rose from the dead intellectually. Satan knows that the Bible is the, the, the inspired, complete, inerrant word of God. He knows everything. He watched it being written. Guess what? He knows every translation and every whatever in, the, in all of the world. He knows them all, watched them being written, can still manipulate people into just having an intellectual understanding rather than a heart that loves Jesus and believes that he rose from the dead and confesses with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We have to understand this, my, my brothers and sisters. It's got to it's gotta happen that way. And so here's what I want you to do. Ask yourself this week. Take some time. Had some people, uh, had someone this morning say they, they thought they were and they're not. And they want us to take some steps. It's okay. Yeah, man. They want to get baptized. They want to take some steps. They've been an intellectual thing. They've been a Christian their whole life, but never really in their heart understood right, that it's got to be something that could, but they want to know more, want to explore this, right? My question is are you going to heaven? Because if you confess with your mouth and meant it that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and it motivates you that he rose from the dead, that separates you from Satan. It's the love we have for Jesus that separates us. It's the love we have for our neighbor that separates us. We can't just agree with Satan that everything happened and think we're okay. When Jesus came, man, he said, all those things that are written about him, people tend to intellectually understand and do a bunch of different things. And the religious people had all these rules and regulations they were trying to do. He goes, it's not about that. Everything is in your heart. And even, even what we call the Shema, which I like to call the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6.4, where it says to love God with everything you have. He follows it up by saying, these things must be in your hearts. Bind them to your forehead. Write them on your doorpost, right? Tie them to your hands. He says all that, and people want to go, okay, I'm going to go put phylacteries and put, them in, put scriptures in boxes and put them on my head. They probably look ridiculous, right? And here comes Jesus making fun of them. Look at those big phylacteries. Awesome. Look at those long tassels. Fantastic. But you got no love in your hearts. Over and over and over, he'll say it. So ask yourself, did I do those things that Romans 10, 9 said? Confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and 
believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. Amen. I love you guys. I want to see victory in our church and victory in our lives and victory with our neighbors and salvation among your people that may have fooled themselves or been deceived by the devil himself or the demonic realm that they are saved because they said something that ain't real. Check ourselves before we live here. Old school rap song says rickety wreck up. Amen. Father, we love you. And we are thankful that we get to celebrate the resurrection of your son. May it absolutely compel us, consume us. May it wreck us in a great way. May we see things that are in front of us, not as so important, not as all-consuming, not like all the, all the strife and the, the, the tensions and the political stuff and the racial stuff and the financial stuff that can consume us. And you've asked us to keep our thoughts up here. Even the good stuff we see, the miracles, the whatever, like all those kind of things are, are great, but we can tend to focus even on those. And as long as we do that, the enemy's okay. But if we focus on you and your realm and your eternity, that's what separates us from the, from the demonic. But even better yet, it's what unites us with you. And so may we do that and truly, God, start not with asking you into our heart. Yes, that's, a, that's a, not a terrible start, but, but may we confess that you are Lord out loud. You are the boss. And may we believe in your heart that you have risen from the May we celebrate, yes, go to a buffet, yes, celebrate with the children and have Easter egg hunts, fine. But this isn't just a holiday. This is a celebration of your truth. And the fact that you overcame death so that we could too. We love you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody in here said with enthusiasm, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. I love you. Let's do this. Amen.